Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. It's me again, AJ, here with the Jet Centric Podcast, episode 40. We made it to 40. Yay. Anyhow, I know there hasn't been too much stuff lately. Uh, it's just been so dark and so damn cold, just the middle of the blah season. So it's been hard to get a bunch of people together to record, to do a roundtable. And then we've had some setbacks with getting our interviews done. They're still happening, but uh, some technical difficulties with Leah Hextall and then Jordan Tutu being away, getting uh, honored in Nashville. Um, yeah, there's some other ones too. Anyhow, I'm not going to get into all the stuff we're working on. Uh, if you listen before or see our tweets, you probably notice some of that stuff anyhow. So I'm not going to bother reciting and telling you all that. Let's just get to the episode at hand. So Chris uh, has a little chat with Scott, Simon, and William. You might remember them. They're the gentlemen from uh, Atlanta. They were Atlanta Thrashers fans. Now they're huge Jets fans. They were here not too long ago. And uh, yeah, so he has a little talk about uh, the Atlanta Thrashers and uh, how they are still following the team now. So uh, nice guys. I got to actually meet Simon and Scott. Um, they're talk. They're talking about uh, a little get together in the interview, and uh, it was neat that night after everybody left. I had the pleasure of hanging out with uh, Max the Silent. Uh, you would know him on Twitter if you pay attention to that. And then Simon, one of the guys in the interview. Uh, Scott is the dad, and his sons are uh, Simon and William. Uh, so is myself, uh, Max the Silent. Uh, Simon and also Marat, Marat, and um, and uh, Scott Cavill. So that was kind of cool hanging out with uh, them after everybody else left. We stayed up to one thirty, two in the morning at the Elephant and Castle, just talking hockey. So it was a pleasure. So uh, anyhow, great guys hanging out that night and a uh, fun little interview that Chris does with them. Give you a little insight to know some of the history of where your Winnipeg Jets came from. So enjoy. That's it for me. I'll be quiet now. Hey guys, welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Chris, and I'm here with, I'll call them the Atlanta Three. I'm sure you guys all remember a couple weeks ago when the uh, Jets had a homestand. You saw a lot of information and a lot of fun stuff going on with uh, some fans that came, made the trip all the way from Atlanta to Winnipeg for a Jets game, or three, I believe. Uh, so we're here with William. Hi. Simon. Hi. And Scott McLean. Hey. Hey guys, it's uh, nice to have you. We're happy to have uh, you guys on the podcast being fans from Atlanta and that you guys still follow the Jets. The obvious question uh, really is how you guys, because I think a lot of times for Winnipeggers, we wonder about hockey in the South. How did you guys as a family, become fans of the Thrashers? Well, um, I really wasn't a fan of the Flames in the, when they were here in the 70s, but I'm a sports fan, and it the connection really started when we got tickets in 2001 on the glass, and with, William was 12 years old, and I couldn't believe the game being six inches away from me like that just what those guys were doing on skates. I've never played hockey in my life, but I have a real appreciation for athletes. And uh, I was just, I was so fascinated with the game that a puck actually came over the glass and hit 
grazed William in the head and I didn't even know it until I heard people around me talking about it. So it, it was more than grazed. It hit me pretty good in the head. <laughs> so, so I, I, as I tell other folks, I kind of just pushed Southeastern Conference football and the Atlanta Braves to the side. And I, I was all in on hockey. It just fit my personality and, you know, a uh, sport where you can only be on the ice, be active for 45 seconds at a time before you're spent is uh, just, uh, I had a great appreciation for all of that. So. Right on. Anybody else? Yeah. Well, I, I, like, I like to say that after I get hit in the head with a puck at my first game on the glass, that it knocks something right into my head and I've loved hockey ever since. So it's the same, I think, for me too. It's just absolutely amazing what these guys do um, and just beautiful to watch. And there's always something exciting going on. Um, and then I actually wasn't at that game at the time. Um, I was about six years old, but I went to a game probably not long after that. And so for me, I really grew up with the sport, um, you know, from about six onwards. Um, and so... Hockey's just really kind of been ingrained in me from a young age. And I'm, you know, hockey's the main sport I follow. And that's, I don't follow a whole lot of other sports other than just to be able to casually talk about it. But hockey, I'd love to just take the deep dive into all the stats and players and histories. And it's just really become a part of who I am. Simon is a walking hockeyopedia. He knows so much. And you just like, all right, ask him questions and he'll usually have something interesting to say about it. So we'll, we'll hold Simon to that for later on. And uh, we'll, <laughs> <laughs> so now you've set them up. Yeah, so, the statement, not me. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So it it obviously. So this is why I wanted to do this interview. I'm one of the few people in Winnipeg that stayed um, a quote unquote Jets fan when the Jets moved to Phoenix. I stayed a Coyotes fan right through until actually the Jets came back. My first two years, the first two years the Jets were back in Winnipeg, I'd go to Jets games in Coyote gear. Um. Because, That's I, dangerous. I, well, it was, you know, and I got a lot of ridicule for it. But for me, there's always more to it. Um, you're a fan of the players. You grow an attachment to, to the guys. You feel like you're part of the team. And despite how much it hurt for them to leave, it's not the players' fault. It wasn't the, really the organization's fault. And it wasn't even the NHL's fault when, in both cases. Um, so... Has it, how hard was it? Was it an easy transition to stay a Jets fan? Did you question it? Do you question it? And how easy, when, when the Jets left, we didn't have the internet. We didn't have NHL center ice. So it was almost impossible for me to follow them. How has all of that been for, for you guys? Just say real quick, we don't blame players, you know, the team, anything like that. The owners, the Atlanta Spirit Group who owned them um, were a mess and really you know, some of the worst owners in sports. And that's where we see responsibility. Um, you know, for us, it's been something that it's been very sad, especially, you know, for my dad, Scott, um, who didn't miss a home game for over four seasons. Um, and, you know, Simon, you know, paying so much attention to it. Um, but it's still, you know, we have a lot of love and the team couldn't have gone somewhere better. I mean, the Winnipeg, you know, people and fan base is amazing and have treated the team so well. And the Jets organization is just wonderful. And we have a lot of respect and admiration for how they've handled things. Say, um, the transition was, I mean, as painful as it was to lose the team, the transition to following the team was um, pretty easy. I mean, it always stayed um, our team 
There was a little bit maybe of uh, more interest in some other teams, but not to the same degree ever it was with the Jets. Like we followed the Predators maybe just a little bit um, until they the rivalry started between the Jets and Preds, and then the Preds, you know, are down at the bottom of our list now. Um, yeah. Yeah, we're still pretty much 100% uh, Jets all the way. And staying connected was very, this is Scott, was very easy for me. Um, there's, the, I'll tell you the quick story about, um, I got Brian Little's last Thrashers game-worn jersey. He signed it over to me on the jerseys off our back on the last day of the season in 2011 because I was a season ticket holder. And um, at that time, we didn't know the team was leaving, and that would be that. But so, And I actually got married in that jersey also um, in 2013. So um, anyway, our, that having that around made our trip even that much better. But um, so, again, it was it was easy and especially to reiterate that the organization was such a different organization than what we were used to. And the way it's run um, is top notch. And, and that also makes it easy. Well, it's funny that you have a personal connection like that. I think the biggest reason I stayed uh, a Coyotes fan was because of Shane Doan. As great of a player as he was, I managed to meet him uh, by fluke after a game that we had driven all the way to Calgary to go see the Coyotes play, a 12-hour drive. Um, and I met his mother, and his mother took me and my brothers down to the dressing room to meet him. And we met him again the next year because we saw his mom again. And we had this connection with one player. And it's amazing that, you know, a connection to a Brian Little means so much that it could, you know, reinforce your fandom like that. And that's just incredible that that you guys have, have you know, really embraced it. That leads me to what I was going to ask you next is you all mentioned it. What was it like to be here? I know you guys were your Atlanta gear, I think, the whole time you were here. So you stood out. What did you think of your time in Winnipeg? Not necessarily with the Jets, because I know the Jets were, were pretty good to you guys, but overall. So overall for me, I would summarize it by saying that the reputation in the States for Canadians being nice and polite and kind is very understated. And that it was just a wonderful, you know, warm welcome. And what you know, people reaching out to us in Winnipeg, and we were in Nashville on the way back to Atlanta on that Thursday for a game. You people there seeing us and talking to us, um, so it really just felt welcomed and at home there. Um, yeah, reiterating what William said, I mean, incredibly warm, friendly welcome by everybody. Um, the first game we went to, which was uh, I think the Jets and Wings, um, I was walking around the concourse after the first period, and a guy uh, tapped me on the shoulder and asked me if I was actually from Atlanta. I said, yeah. And then he responded by saying he always said he would buy um, the first person he saw from Atlanta in a Thrasher's jersey a beer. And so this guy, you know, has no, just saw me for three seconds and buys me a beer and we sit and talk for, you know, 15 minutes of intermission and just kind of lots of interactions similar to that where people just coming up and talking to us and, you know, expressing their appreciation of, uh, us coming up to support the team and just how gracious they were of getting our team um, that has become all of our teams. Yeah, I, I second everything they said. It was, um, you know, it was, I think it was good to have an icebreaker to have our jerseys and something to talk about. Um, may, I don't know if this is true, but uh, Canadians 
kind of seem to sit back and evaluate a situation before they dive into it with personally. And then once we did, I felt like we were best friends. So I don't know if um, but that if that's accurate, but that was kind of my experience. I would say um, as somebody that thinks Americans are far, far friendlier than than Manitobans, I would say that's a great way of explaining it. I think on the surface, Americans are much more open, honest, and um, uh, quick to to accept and be friendly, where Canadians are, the like you say, Scott, the exact opposite, where once you get to open up with them, that's where you see the real um, friendliness and, uh, you know, come on in and take off your shoes sort of thing that, that Canadians are known for. Um, not so much for me. I don't notice it so much on the surface. Um, so what uh, what other things did you do in Winnipeg when you were here? You went to, uh, I know you went to a Moose game and a couple of Jets games. Anything else that you got to see? I also know that you got to meet a couple of people. Um, tell me a little bit about some of that stuff. So to summarize, we did three Jets games and two Moose games. So I had five games of five days there. Had a travel day to Nashville, and then on Thursday went to that game. And then um, my girlfriend and uh, stepmom and Scott's wife drove up from Atlanta to meet us for that game. We all drove back together, so we got to end it on, as a real, you know, family event. Right on. Other things in Winnipeg that we got to do, um, we had a little meetup um, at the pint um, at the beginning of the trip um, with uh, some people that we uh, um, blog with on uh, Pete Tessier's uh, Hockey Buzz blog and a. Uh, um, a couple other people we had connected with over the years at different Jets games while we were traveling. Um, and then we got to go to a couple practices. Um, and another just kind of serendipitous event was at um, one of those practices. Uh, Scott Campbell happened to be in town, who both my dad and I follow on Twitter. Um, and so we started hanging out um, with him and we invited us back to the uh, old gathering at the um, hotel where we uh, met you and a bunch of uh, other uh, writers and bloggers. Yeah, Scott's a good friend of the podcast. If you haven't, this goes for you guys too, and all our listeners. If you haven't listened to the Scott Campbell episode, it was one of our, our first ones, and it was about an hour long, and Scott tells some absolutely incredible, incredible stories about his time in the NHL. So make sure you check that one out. Shameless plug. What else did you see around the city, Scott? Anything that uh, that you liked? Anything that was different? Anything that surprised you? You know, we we didn't really do a whole lot else. Um, the hotel was just a quick walk from the, on the Skyway to the games, and we went. We were at games every night, and then we ended up getting to go to practice two days, which we didn't expect at all. I got um, actually got to take a picture and talk with Brian Little after the practice one day. Um, I'll just tell a quick little story. He said that some of the guys actually had been noticing the Thrasher's jerseys in the stands during the games. and it had That's awesome. But the younger guys didn't know what they were talking about. So <laughs> um, we um, we really didn't get out. Um, we we did venture uh, the downtown Y we went one day, which was that it was it's the best Y I've ever been to. I was thoroughly impressed. Um, but um, we you know, we went out to eat. Um, a few places, but that was really about it. We did want to do some other things, see the Human Rights Museum, but and the uh, Forks, but we didn't get to that. Yeah, I think hockey overwhelmed. Holy crow! Oh, it was it was great. I mean, I, I think 
for us, it's even more reason to have another trip back to Winnipeg when it's a little warmer, maybe around the playoffs, when we can go outside and see that stuff and just experience the energy and passion that, that um, Winnipegers have for the Jets on a different level. Well, I'll tell you, if you guys can make it up for playoffs, there is absolutely nothing like it. I can be honest and say I'm as cynical and uh, laid back as a fan as you'll find these days. And last year in the spring, uh, some of my greatest greatest memories of this city, those street parties, and I got to go to game game two against Minnesota with my daughter, and she kicked off the uh, the street party on a big stage in front of 30,000 people because it was her 10th birthday and the weather's great. And yeah, that would be the time for you guys to, to make another trip back because there's nothing like uh, a playoff run in this city. It's, it's electricity. It really is. So well, we had, you guys go ahead. We had a friend on uh, Twitter. Um, since we got a little bit of a reputation for being good luck, since the moose and jets won everything, we were there and they beat Nashville in Nashville. So um, she said she was going to start a GoFundMe page to bring us back up there during the playoffs. So, we're <laughs> who, who that. is that? Um, I think Carol, Carol is watching hockey. I think Carol it's, loves yeah. hockey. Carol loves yeah, hockey. Yeah, Carol. Yeah, was Carol was at the meetup. Yeah, at, right with Scott Campbell. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Anything we could do, right? It's a thirty-hour drive, so we don't want to. We don't want to make you guys do that. The hardest thing would, I think, would be to get an actual playoff ticket. So if we, yeah, had, that, we had help with that, we'd, you know, figure out a way yeah. to be there. We were, uh, I think, we're still paying for the two tickets we got. So, <laughs> um, so we were talking earlier about about players you like, and this is where Simon maybe you can go maybe a different way than William and Scott. But tell me about the players you like whether they're Atlanta guys that, that came over, Jets guys, former thrashers that never played for the Jets, just some of your favorites and uh, even prospects or anything that you're looking forward to. I just, just some hockey takes. Give me some, some hockey takes about, about some of the guys that you like. So um, just going back into the franchise's history a little bit to Atlanta, my favorite player was uh, Slava Kozlov. Um, that's uh, my all-time favorite. Um, he was very kind of great two-way player, um, really nice guy. I got to meet him a few times. Um, very genuine, uh, nice interactions. And but um, practices were easy to get into here in Atlanta. Isn't it amazing though? When uh, we already sort of touched on it, but when you get to meet certain guys, how that changes how you feel about them, isn't it? It, it it's crazy. So that just yeah. makes me think of that we met. Uh, we got to, lucky enough to meet Mark Shifley a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've met him before, but just just the nicest guy, and it makes you like him just that much more, right? Yeah. Um, and then, kind of current Jets players, um, outside of you know the Shifley and Wheeler and them, um, you know, been a big fan of Morrissey coming up. Um, in terms of more prospects, um, I've liked Pullman, and it's really unfortunate that he's had this in concussions that he's had this year. With the injuries we've had on the right side, would have been the perfect opportunity for him to step in. Um, but on the other side of that, it's given Niku an opportunity to, for him to show and that he's really ready to step up if uh, Maurice will ever put him in consistently. Yeah, that's a shame. We talk about that quite a lot on the show, so we can move on. What about Patan? Do you guys talk about him a lot? Yeah, it's something that we're going to start talking about because I'm not sure that we've talked about him enough. So 
<laughs> I, I, I see that the fan base is going to be pretty split on Twitter with Patan, but I definitely fall very much on the side that he needs a legitimate shot. Um, but I also never think that Maurice is going to give it to him. Um, my best example of this is a few years ago, um, we went to a game in Nashville that turned into an all-out brawl where about half the team was either in the penalty yeah. box or connected. And so there's about maybe six or eight guys left on the bench, and Patan was still only playing once every fourth shift, you know, even when the, the roster was so small. That was the game when uh, I don't remember who it was. Uh, it's going to kill me now. Two of the forwards played a shift at, at defense. Yeah. Just because they yeah, down I to two defensemen. There's about six guys in the box. It was like standing room only. And then about another four guys got ejected. So yeah. the bench is real small on both sides. And uh, he still wasn't getting a shot for whatever reason. Yeah, and he'd been one of the best players that game. And we that was a game where we just got blown out. Well, uh, it's pretty much, it's actually to the point where we've been talking about the fact that we talk about uh, Nick too much on the podcast. And I think think at the point right now, we just need to say, I hope that something works out for him because there's not, there's nothing else you can say really. Um, We just hope that it's a trade deadline or he comes in tonight and fits in on that side. Something has to happen and we're the biggest supporters of his and on top of what he's he's gone through this year, um, of course. So that's uh, another two minutes on Nick Patan. <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyways, um, who else? Who else do you guys like and, and have well, like pass? In in Atlanta, um, I got we got the privilege of watching Marion Hosa skate for um, a few seasons, a, a couple of seasons, and uh, that was just. What a, to, in my mind, he's the, the dream player. I mean, he just it's all around um, smart ability, you know, through the roof and um, and uh, responsible. Um, so that that was one of the players that that I've certainly enjoyed watching for sure. Um, and of course, on the Jets, um, you know, it's uh, that. I certainly uh, follow Little and um, and that line. Uh, Connor's real easy to like, um, that's for sure. So, but Dustin Bufflin, you know, I got to uh, meet him um, actually uh, one time in Atlanta too, and it was uh, it was that was a great meetup. So, um, you know, all these guys. That's one reason that hockey is so easy to like. Um, is because the play everybody's so approachable and uh you know that really makes it easy you know i'll I'll say something that might be a little controversial but i've really liked myers play recently i feel like he was off to a really rocky bit of a rocky start he's really come into his own you know halfway through the season or so or um after the first third and if he can be consistently that way i think he'd be a good player for us I I agree that Myers in his situation has improved. If he, when he's playing third D with Kulikov, I have very little problem with his game. He still makes mistakes that we all wish he didn't. But yeah. I think you're you're I think you're doing well if he's your third third pair defenseman. And yeah. uh, so I, I I won't dispute that for sure. Um, it's when he gets shoved into situations he's not capable of, and that kind of goes back to the criticism of the coaching that 
I think a lot of people have, right. Is, yeah. is why are you putting these, you know, square pegs and round holes a lot of times when anybody can see that Tyler Myers isn't a top four defenseman anymore. Right. Um, never mind on his offside. <laughs> it makes you wonder a lot of times what, what, what's going on. Um, so just some final thoughts from you guys about, uh, you know, again, what you expect from the team. Um, and also you guys can feel free to plug your Twitter handles and all that kind of stuff. Cause we'll kind of, kind of wrap up here a little bit. I was actually going to mention before that was, was there, and you mentioned it, I think a lot more access to the players in Atlanta. Is that something they were trying to do to build the fan base? Do you figure? And I think something that I guess I should bring up, I wasn't going, I hadn't thought of it till right now. There seemed to be, uh, um, effort put into having colored players on the team do you think that that was an actual thing there was i think at one time four black players on on the thrashers and i wonder being in atlanta if that was as it has been stated an actual an actual thing so i think we'll never really know i mean you can you know hypothesize that maybe it was maybe it wasn't it could have just happened to happen in a city like atlanta um with this team but there's nothing you know, as fans and passionate fans of the Thrashers that we knew or heard from the organization, the media, that was one way or the other around that. Yeah, I think it was just coincidental. Don Waddell really liked Evander Kane. And uh, so he, I think we drafted him fourth overall, fourth overall right immediately after Duchesne, um, I think. Yeah. I think, you know, so I was wanting us to, so, but I think Waddell always preferred Kane. So that was just the way that, happened and then Bufflin of course just ended up being there and the, but there was at one time in a preseason game we did have five uh black players although I think two or three of them were Swedish um yeah um, we had uh, had a couple guys overgrades and a couple kind of I think waiver pickups we also had those Anthony Stewart and Nigel Dawes um with Bufflin and and Kane and Oduya and then there was the, oh, the fighter guy he was one of the Swedish players. I think his mother was Swedish, right? He was born yeah. here. And um, then, yeah. Yeah. It just, and I, I think I remember Evander talking about it at some point when he was here. So it's just, just, just curious because I think that that would have been an important thing in a city like Atlanta, right? So. Yeah. Or, um, or uh, yeah. could have been. Right. Could have been. But yeah, I don't think it really ever actualized itself. Right. I do have one. A uh, question that I'd like to ask if we got time. Definitely, sure. Um, so I asked this when I was up there, and um, the question is, how do hockey players decide whether they're going to shoot the left or right shots? And I've asked a lot of people, and um, I've noticed that a lot of right shot players are left-handed. I mean, Brian Little's actually left-handed, and um, I think Ovechkin's left-handed. Um, and then most left shots are, are right-handed, but it's not the case um, straight across. So I would love um, to hear on Twitter or from anybody um, how that really develops. It's been curious to me. I know for myself, I'm right-handed and I do everything uh, with a, an object left-handed. So hockey, golf, baseball, I swing lefty. Um, I also know that in the States, you can't buy left-handed golf clubs, generally speaking. <laughs> so there is yeah, something most, to do with the, yeah, the hockey, most, end, right? 
right. I, I saw Troy Westwood was tweeting the other day about your strong hand needing to be your top hand. I do everything opposite, so I'm not a great guy to ask. Like I, I push on a skateboard the opposite way that I would stand on a skateboard and all that kind of stuff. So I'm, a, I'm not a good good read on that. So yeah, we'll put that out to the jet, Jet-centric listeners. What, uh, well, why here- is it that, that we shoot that way? Here's one theory that someone uh, told me that starts to make sense is that when you're really, if you start playing when you're really young, you pick up the stick with your dominant hand. So a left shot would pick it up and be playing like shinny in the house or, you know, one-handed hockey with their picking it up with their right hand. So it just naturally falls that way. And maybe I would, honestly, come, yeah, that, that, that's what it is. I, it has to be. I had a friend that when he was six or when we were six years old playing hockey, he was holding his stick, the wrong, just standing, waiting for his team picture holding it the wrong way and that's the way the coach thought he shot so he just continued to play right-handed even though he didn't think that that was probably the hand he was supposed to use so (laughs) i think it is kind of just luck of the draw if you will (laughs) that's hilarious (laughs) yeah i'd say the other piece to that that theory is players start later in their life then they might have the reverse experience and holding it with their you know the other hand shooting the other way yeah, I've never, I've never heard that. So I, I mean, I would, I, I mean, that's the way my daughter decided. She just picked up the stick, and that's the way it was. So, right, right on, guys. We'll send that out to the listeners. If uh, if anybody wants to tweet at at the Jet Centric account, and you guys can add your Twitter handles right now. Let people know if you want some more followers and all that kind of stuff. You guys are good follows. You guys are really good at interacting. I love that you guys stick your nose in with the media and all that kind of stuff. I love that. So uh, I'll say thank you. Let you guys, uh, like I say, if you want to put out your Twitter handle, go ahead. Yeah. Um, you can find uh, me on Twitter at, uh, at Paltry Writer, um, or you can uh, plug in my name, Simon McLean, and find me there. Um, love to follow and see what uh, everybody else has to say. Um, Twitter has been one of the best ways to interact and uh, keep up with all the Jets kind of news and players and uh, fans. So this is William McLean. You can search my name or my handle at Virtual Psych, um, reflective of my line of work being in organizational psychology and technology. And I'm just a simple old man. I'm at Scott McLean, M-C-L-A-N-E. Right on, guys. Well, we really appreciate it. It was really nice meeting you guys when you were in Winnipeg. And uh, we hope that we get to, if not talk to you on the old Skype machine here, that we talk to you in person again sometime. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to. Thanks, Chris. Okay.